First off, let's start by recognizing those that are here, perhaps for the first time. Uh, let's see, I met Larry. Larry, is this your first time? Can you raise your hand for us? Now, Larry, I want you to know the reason we do this is that we don't want, our church is about making friends, not about being friendly. So what we tell our people is that you have got to know people's names, and you need to be nice, but more than nice, you need to be a friend to somebody, right? Even David Couch has to do that, and I know it's tough for him. So this is Larry right here. If you don't know Larry, please reach out to him. Say hi. Who else is new? First time here. Not Bob, Not Rob. No. First time? This is your first time? And remind, Robert? All right, so Robert, first time. Jay, yes. Good to see, okay, we got Jay. Who else is here first time? Uh, Ken? Jeff, I was so close. No, I wasn't close at all. Jeff, <laughs> thr thrilled that you're here. <laughs> Glad you're here. Who, anyone over here first time? Uh, well, there's, there's one other. Let me see. Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie, Ronald Wayne Marriott right here. First time guest. So glad he's here. Welcome. <laughs> You're here for the, no, the GLOW. The National Children's Ministry Conference is next week, right? Not here, but truly, it is. We are hosting a National Children's Ministry Conference next week. And we got Cruz. Cruz, glad you're here. Uh, today's an exciting day because you know that we have been, as a church, uh, there are a couple things that we're pushing hard on. You know we're pushing on the gospel. We are, to, we're, we are a GCGC church. Great Commission, make disciples, I mean, uh, spread the gospel, right, share the word, and then Great Commandment, those are the two things that we do. So we are to spread the gospel, and we are to make disciples of those who believe. So we're always, that, that's, our, that's our major focus for the entire church, is a community, as a member of the community, there's two things that we're taking really serious right now. Can anyone tell me what those two major issues are? Okay, domestic violence is one. We as a church and a community are saying domestic violence is not acceptable. So we are, we are pushing hard on the awareness issue of domestic violence. And then there's one other. Child abuse, child sexual abuse prevention training. It's another big deal that if we can have 2,000 people, that's our first goal, to have 2,000 people in our community trained to recognize the behaviors that lead to a predator doing things they shouldn't be doing, our community will be a safer place, will be a better place. In fact, predators eventually are going to find out that this area is not a place you want to live because there's so many people trained to know what you're trying to do. Guess what? We're doing a conference right after this at 9 o'clock, and we have churches from all over the community coming to be trained on those two issues. So praise the Lord, that's something that because you guys give, we're able to do this training for the community. We're also going to be talking about church safety. So let's get, how, who, who here is on church safety team? Right, these are the people that you should shake their hands and say thank you to because they keep us safe and they also help us provide, the, they provide medical attention to us when we need it, which is almost every single Sunday on our campus. Uh, it's just what happens. So anyway, thrilled that you guys are here. This is men's breakfast. Uh-oh, Jeff McGee just walked in the room. The most serious man here. Good to see you, Jeff. Good morning to you, sir. 
If you don't know Jeff, he ha also happens to be, he makes the finest Central Texas brisket in our church. I can almost guarantee it, right? I'm trying to recreate what he does today, right now as we speak. Uh, that's the beauty of having a Wi-Fi controlled uh, pellet smoker. Amen. You say amen? Woo! Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, another commercial. Man, Johnny. What's up, Johnny? Jeff Anthony. Man, good to see you guys. Hey, so someone open up a seat here. Right over here. We got three. All right, let me share something with you. This right here. How many people you know about a minute with God? All right. I have these up here at the front for you. I'm not going to pass them out. I'm not going to presume. Russell is a consumer. We believe L-I-F-E, right? We are an L-I-F-E church. So what does the L stand for? Love God. I. Invest in people. F. Fellowship with believers. And E. Engage the culture, right? So this right here is a very simple baby step that you can do as you are the spiritual leader of your family. And if you are single, you better be the spiritual leader of you, right? This gives you the op This is super simple. It's called One Minute with God. I do this as I drive to, church, to school in the morning with my kids. It's a verse, it's a question, and it's a prayer. And it's a great baby step uh, of spiritual leadership. I strongly encourage you guys to grab one of these and do it, okay? If, you, if you're not already doing something else, like Russell... He may be doing something else that's much deeper with his girls, um, but this is really simple and effective. Okay, without further ado, let me introduce the man of the hour, Russell Garcia, my dear friend who brings the word with great intensity and love. Brother, I love you. You can give Russell a hand. Good morning, gentlemen. <clears throat> It's great to be with you again. I just left here this uh, past Sunday, so I get to be with you guys two times in one month, and uh, I appreciate you guys making us feel right at home. Man, what did y'all do? Y'all got, got every guy from the church to come this morning, didn't you? Y'all must have been praying, inviting everybody, man. I'm glad to see you guys. Guys, thank you for coming. Those of you who are new, my name is Russell Garcia, and I have the privilege and the opportunity of coming here and uh, teaching men's <clears throat> uh, breakfast, your men's study. So I appreciate that. Thank you guys for getting up early this morning and coming out to be with us. Let's, let's have a word of prayer, and then we will move further, okay? Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege that you have given us to come into your house of worship, to sit at your feet and to receive from you the very words of life. God, we know that except you speak, we cannot live. So Lord, would you breathe into us your word by your spirit to quicken our hearts and make us alive with you. Lord, I thank you for these men who got up early this morning uh, that sacrificed their time to come and to be into your presence. Would you bless them? Would you give them a return for their sacrifice? Would you cause them to know that they are yours and that you are ever with them? Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
So as you know, we have been in a series on the ologies of the church, the doctrine, right? The, uh, first, we talked about Christology. Anybody remember we, us talking about Christology a few months ago? And then we talked about pneumatology, right? The study of the spirit. Christology, the study of Christ and the personal work of what he's done. Pneumatology, the study of the spirit, person and work and how he affects us and the church. And then we talked about uh, hamartiology, right? The study of sin. And then last month, we talked about soteriology. We looked at salvation. And so this month, we're going to talk about ecclesiology. Ecclesiology, from which we get the word ecclesia, right? The church or the called out ones. <clears throat> so as we think about that this morning... Um, let me, first of all, help you understand the word ecclesia. The word ecclesia is a Greek word, and it means the called out ones. The word ek means out, and kaleo means called. Put them two together, it means the called out ones. Uh, this word was used as a, civil, <clears throat> as a civil word to define the body or an assembly of those that were in Athens. So this is actually a word that Christ borrowed from the culture, turned it upside down, and used it as the ecclesia, the assembly or the body of called out believers to do something different in the culture. Okay? Uh, so when the writers of the New Testament, when they used this word, ecclesia, to describe a Christian body of people, they meant the same thing, a body of Christians called out of the Roman Judeo system to come together into a civil separate community. <clears throat> it meant a politically autonomous body of Christians under no king but who? Tell me. No king but Jesus, right? So there was no man over them per se. They chose to submit themselves to one another and the apostles, right? <clears throat> they denounced Caesar and they devoted themselves to Christ. And isn't that who we are? Isn't that what we do? Uh, even though we may be divided up into Republicans and Democrats, the truth of the matter is we're neither of those things. What we are is Christ followers first. And then we are Democrats, Republicans, Independents, whatever that is. Because we understand that no man really can run this world in a way that's sufficient for us to be happy with. Am I right? I don't care if it's Obama, Donald Trump. It doesn't matter. All of us are going to disappoint us. Why? Because they are not the ultimate king. Right? So we are a body of what? Of what? Tell me. Called out. Right? Called out believers. What are we, what are we called out for? That's a good question. Service, right? What are we called out for? For his service into his kingdom. So our loyalty lies with Jesus, not to a particular political party. I know that's not popular in church, but it's the truth. Now, when you think about picking a political party, we, we, we try to pick the ones that closely align with our personal biblical worldview, right? And so no one can say to anyone else, well, you shouldn't be this or you shouldn't be that. The truth of the matter is both of those parties are tainted by men. They all have an agenda. 
And so as a body of called out believers, our loyalty is to whom? Tell me. Jesus Christ. Right. I love President Trump. I thank God for him. I thank God for the things he's doing. But sometimes he gets on my nerves. He does some stupid stuff as well. Am I right? That's the truth of the matter. He can't be quiet. (laughs) No self-control. Yeah, no filter. Uh, That's the truth of the matter. But but just as much as I'm frustrated with him, I was frustrated with Obama, right? The truth of the matter is that we are a body of believers. We don't get caught up in this world system. Do we vote? Yes. But are we, are we loyal to a fault to a man? No. We're called out to be a body of believers who institute kingdom principles and laws. Not culture principles and laws, okay? Okay. So the ecclesias were diametrically opposed to uh, Caesar's ruling the world. And in Acts 17, here's what it says. They dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the city officials shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called who? Jesus. Now, that's what got them in trouble, right? So if, if they troubled the world, turned the world upside down, they were, were in trouble with the Caesars. Do you think they got in trouble for loving one another? Is that what they got in trouble for? Do you think they got in trouble for going to church and and studying the Old Testament scriptures? Is that what they got in trouble for? You see, they were really in trouble on both sides. First of all, the religious community, the Pharisees and the Sadducees hated them. Why? Because they preached this Messiah, this new king, this new Messiah coming to set at liberty the captives. In other words, the religious community didn't have control of these called out ones. They didn't like that. Not only were they in trouble with the religious, they were in trouble with the secular society. Why? Because here's what they said. We have no king but Jesus. How many of you know that'll get you in trouble? (laughs) So really, they, they were... A body of believers, both that were despised by the religious community and by the secular community. And so what we do in this culture, if we, we have befriended the secular, and it's hard to tell Christians from called, I mean, uh, uh, it's hard to tell the culture from the called out ones, am I right? We act so much like them that they think we're a part of them. I mean, you, you, you ever had a political debate? And you lost your Christian decorum trying to defend your guy? <laughs> Amen, lights. <laughs> Foolish, right? Why? Because it is a fallen, flawed man. And this world will not be ran right until Jesus comes back, sits on the throne, and rules the world with peace and grace. 
So why do we argue like fools about political stuff? I'm just as guilty as you. I'm preaching to me too. I have done it. But the truth of the matter is, have you ever converted one person who doesn't think like you think when it comes to the political arena? Raise your hand if you have. <laughs> Only thing you did was walk away frustrated, aggravated, and sinful. <laughs> That's all they did. Somebody said, never argue with ignorance. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. <laughs> Never do that. Not a good idea. You're not going to win that battle. Okay, so we're going to look at three things uh, about the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. We're going to look at first the ministry. Repeat that. What's the ministry of the church? The ministry. We're going to look at the mission, and then we're going to look at the makeup. Okay? Somebody get me on the time here because I don't have a clock up there. It's gone. So when I got five minutes, Jeremy, give me the five. Okay, so we're going to look at what? The, 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 the ministry of the church. What's the ministry? The mission of the church and the makeup of the church. Those three things. Is that simple enough? What is the ministry, the purpose of the church? Well, according to Scripture, Acts 2.42 reads this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and of prayers. There it is, Acts 2.42. Read it for yourself. This is what the early church devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching. In other words, the teaching of the Scripture. Are you devoted to the teaching of the Scripture? Are you here on Sunday to hear the Word of God preached? Are you reading on a daily basis the Bible, God's copy of uh, your copy of God's love letter to you? Are you reading that on a daily basis? So there were four things that they did. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the teaching of the scripture. And then they were fellowshipping with other believers. That's part of your L-I-F-E in church, right? Fellowship with others, right? They were fellowshipping, koinonia, a love. They were with one another. And then they were partaking in the Lord's Supper. It says the breaking of bread, but the breaking of bread is not like what we had this morning, right? We broke bread together. The breaking of bread there is they, they took the Lord's Supper together. They had communion together. They broke the body of the Lord and they communed together, right? Is that clear? So teaching, fellowship, and communion. And then it says the prayers. They were given to uniting in supplication or prayers. In other words, they prayed the same things for one another. They were united in these things, the teaching of the scripture, the fellowshipping with other believers, with the, the um, taking of communion, and then uniting with one another in prayer. How many of you know if you want to build a strong church, those four things is a way to build a strong church? Those four core principles, if you want to build a strong church, that's how to do it. Isn't that much like what we're doing here this morning? Right? We're here for the teaching of the scripture. We're here fellowshipping one with another. We're not taking communion, but we are feasting on the Lord's body and the word, right? And we're uniting in prayer. 
That's what brought us out today. Those things, right? So the role of the church to the believers is to be the believer's spiritual family. It is through the church that God takes different personalities and gifts and unites them into a single body and equips them to care for one another and reach the world. Right. So that is our ministry. We are to come here to care for one another and know how to go out and to reach the world. Okay, so reach the world. What is our mission? Anybody tell me, what, what, what's the church's mission? That's right. Do, do we have to make it up? Do we have to look it up? I, I mean, Jesus gave it to us. Let me say it like this. Last words or lasting words. The last thing that Jesus said was to go ye into all of the what? And, and do what? What are we supposed to do when we get there? No, 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 that's not what he said. He said start a Sunday school class. <laughs> that's the new world version, right? Yeah. Start, start. That, that, that's not what he said. Those are strategies that can come alongside that, but our main objective is to do what he said. We don't get the privilege of doing something different. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. How are disciples made, by the way? There you go. Right? Preaching of the word, spending time walking through life with those people who are converted from wherever they believed in before to a belief in Jesus Christ now. Right? That's how it's done. Now, we can come alongside that and do some things, but until we do that, there's no sense in doing the other. Am I right? It's quiet, you Baptists. You say amen, don't you? That's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is that the, ex the external mission of the church is to fulfill the Great Commission. That is our mission. That is our mission. There's no nobler purpose that the church can, can engage in in introducing someone to Christ. So in Matthew 28, 19, you don't have to turn there. You can, but I'll read it to you. Here's what he said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Right? Go ye therefore and make disciples. How do you do that? Right. Making disciples, you do it the way he said. That's how you do it. It's simple. The Bible is not complicated. Am I right? We make it complicated because we don't want to do what he said. Do we want to come up with something other that we like that makes us feel good? But the truth of the matter is we should just follow his prescribed plan. Uh, can I just tell you his plan works? <laughs> In one day, they added how many souls to the church in one day? 3,000 souls. One day, right? Just like that. You ever added 3,000 doing it your way? I mean, we preach to 20,000, and we're happy if we get 50 to come down, right? His way works. Our way 
not so much. So let's just get back to doing it the way he does it, the way he said. Am I against Sunday school and life group? No, I'm not. That, that is a big part of what the church should be doing. But that doesn't matter. Unless we've done this, this doesn't really matter. Right? Okay. Go, therefore, and make what? Disciples. Right? Disciples require you spending time with someone else. We all got 24 hours in a day. We're all busy. But unless you're about the business of making disciples, someone in this church needs you to disciple them. And if you need to be discipled, there is a man in this room. Am I right? Am I right? Who will say, hey, I'm busy, but I'll meet with you one day a week, 45 minutes to one hour, 30 minutes to an hour. If you ask them, I guarantee you they're going to say yes. If you haven't been discipled, that should be your ask. And if you're not currently discipling somebody, you should be asking a man that you see that needs to be discipled. Hey, let's just meet together. I'll wait. <laughs> Is that hard? It's not hard. We make it hard, but it's not hard. That's the truth of the matter. We have substituted one-on-one -on -one discipleship for orientation class. You know why? Because we're too busy in this culture to do what Jesus asked us to do. To walk alongside someone else and, and teach them what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I would not know what I know. I would not be who I am if had someone not pulled me aside and asked me, Hey, would you mind meeting with me? And then when that happened, this guy left, I, I left, and then I saw another preacher that I really like, and I was just too young and stupid in the ministry not to ask. I said, hey, can I meet with you? <laughs> Nobody asked me. I was there by myself. Hey, can I meet with you? Didn't bother me. So let us be about the, our father's business, which is to make disciples. Be taught yourself. And then go teach somebody else. It's simple. Each one, teach one. When you've been discipled, go disciple someone else. I lingered long on that point, didn't I? Anyway, okay, so uh, making disciples. And then we see the makeup of the church. The makeup of the church. The church is made up, uh, the universal church is defined as those, all of those who have confessed Christ as their Savior and received the Holy Spirit. It is comprised of every believer from every nation, tongue, and era. In other words, everybody who has ever confessed Christ since Acts chapter 2 until the coming of Christ, those people comprise the church. That's the universal church, right? No matter what location, denomination, or era they come from, uh, 
In Acts 2, verse 1, here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now look at verse 9, if you're there. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Judea, uh, Cappadocia, Pontius, and Asia, Phygeria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both, tell me, Jews and what? Converts. No, no, no. Not converts, right? Bible goers. Church goers, Bible numbers, converts to Judaism, Christians, Arabs. Here's what they said. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Do you see what the church is made up of universally? Everybody, everywhere who confesses the name of Christ and who has received the Holy Spirit. Is that clear? So in other words, when you get to heaven, it's going to look a little different, much like this, but probably a little different than this. Every nation and tongue, black, white, yellow, red, and every color in between. They won't be all American. They won't be all white. They won't be all black. They will be different as the rainbow. You know why? God loves things that he created. He loves them to be different, multicultural. Think about all the flowers he created, all the animals he created, all the men that he created. We all look different, right? The makeup of the church, that's what it looks like. The church universal is made up of everyone. However, to ensure order and provide fellowship, the universal church is also divided into local churches. What is the local church? Right. The makeup of the local church. It is where members of the universal church can apply. First Corinthians 12, uh, engaging, teach, I mean, encouraging, teaching and building up one another in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is not. The building. <laughs> you do know that, right? Uh, the, the church is not the building. We use church to to mean building, but really. The church is the people, not the building. Well, I'm going to church. No, no, no. You are the church. You're going to where the church is housed. Is that clear? So when we say we are the church, right, when you get to church, I mean, you, you try not to cuss at church, don't you? <laughs> you try not to spit if you dip on the church grounds. Or at least we did when I was young. But the truth of the matter is, if you see it like that, you'll alter your behavior once you get here. But if you see yourself as a church, you will always be mindful that you are representing whom? You're the called out body. Not this building. You make this building what it is. This building doesn't make you what you are. At least that's what the Bible teaches. That we are the church, not this is the church. First Baptist, Bur First Baptist Burleson is not the church. You could have church in the parking lot and you would still be First Baptist Burleson. No matter where you are. No matter where you are. 
you the people make this building First Baptist Burleson. Okay? The body of Christ. Is that clear? The church is not the building. Uh, rather, the people are the church. A kingdom-centered church must help facilitate the growth of persons into the image of Christ. As Christians, we are image bearers. Wherever we go, we bear the image of Christ. And guess what? The people who know you go to First Baptist Burleson building, they're watching you. People on your job, they know. Hey, don't you go to church? <laughs> You're representing Jesus. Are you not? And as you represent him, you must do it in a way that pleases him. You can't make excuses for your behavior. You know why? Because the world doesn't understand that. I understand. But when you're at work, when you're out in the culture, they don't understand you making excuses, using foul language, laughing at, at crude, coarse jokes. They don't understand. You know what they say? Oh, you're just like me. How are you going to convert them if they've converted you? <laughs> That's impossible, Pastor Ronnie. I'm not talking about behavioral modification. I'm talking about Christ's representation. Love God, hate sin, sin less. Write that down. Love God more. Hate sin and sin less. See, you can't sin less <laughs> and you can't hate sin until you first love God. So when you love God, you'll begin to abhor sin. And when you hate sin, guess what you do? You will sin less. But if you don't hate it, guess what? You love it. And because you love it, you continue to do it. Y'all look sad this morning. This is, a, this is a happy message to me. I'm happy. Don't you want to love God more? <laughs> yeah, but the problem is I don't want to let go of the sin. Hold on, Jesus. Don't take that one. As, yes, sir. That's right. <laughs> Amen. The truth of the matter is God loves you and he wants to turn Burleson upside down in every neighboring city all the way to the ends of the world. Wouldn't it be great for God to start a revival at this church that permeated this community, went into wherever he wants to send it on a small scale or a large scale? We're just faithful. We leave the results to God. That's all we do. Lord, help me to be faithful. And whatever you want to do, I'm fine with that. Right? It's not up to me. I'm just a small country boy who went to the 12th grade. I haven't been by the college. I ain't thought about going. But the truth of the matter is if you're faithful to God, God will use you in a way that he sees fit. However, whatever that looks like. It doesn't matter to me. I preached in a church with five people. I preached in a church with... A lot of people. Doesn't matter. It's the same. Just be faithful to God, right? Be faithful. Uh, 
Therefore, a powerful proclamation of the scriptures will transform lives, which in turn will enable the church to make its maximum impact on the community and the culture. What did I say? Faithful what? Proclamation of the, tell me, the word, the scripture. Pastor Ronnie faithfully proclaims the scripture every week. Every week, working hard. I go back, I listen, I hear him. I'm like, man, this dude is killing it. Faithfully <laughs> proclaiming the scripture every week. Now, the truth of the matter is certain, uh, we, we like it poured from a certain vessel, a certain kind of way, especially us, us who grew up in old school Baptist churches, you know. We like the guy that's pounding the pulpit and red in the face. I can't get red, but you know what I mean. <laughs> We, 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 we like that guy. But the truth of the matter is, no matter where the word is coming from, if, it, if it's faithfully proclaimed, it's still the word of Jesus. Amen, lights. I, I think some of you are fascinated because I'm African-American. More than what I say and what I, who, what I do, you're fascinated with, with who it's coming from. And I have to say that really, that, that, that bothers me because if, if you understand that God uses different vessels in different ways, right? I don't look at somebody and say, oh, he's good for a white boy or he's good for a black guy. I, I don't say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the truth of the matter, right? We, 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 we are fascinated with the, the package rather than the gift. Yeah. Truth of the matter. You know why I love y'all? Because y'all are honest. Y'all can get down to brass tacks and be honest about what we think. I mean, uh, truly, truly, we, we look at certain people certain ways and we see them through certain lenses. And yeah, all of us are guilty of saying, man, that, that, that guy is good or she's good for a girl. But are you, are you amazed at the gift that God placed in each and every one of us? Whatever gift you have, God gave it to you. I'm not smart enough to do this. Amen. Amen. How much time we got? Four minutes. Well, good thing we're almost done. <laughs> this transformation is reduced by the Holy Spirit as he applies the word as it is accurately taught and humbly received. See, it's one thing to accurately teach the scripture. It's a whole nother thing for you to humbly receive what is being taught. Because every time Pastor Ronnie stands and declares the scripture, you're arguing with him about what it means and what you're going to do with it. Oh, I know I'm right. You're sitting in judgment on arguing with God rather than saying, okay, Lord, help me to hear what you have to say and apply it to my life. You're questioning his authority, his understanding. You're arguing with him because you think you have more knowledge than he does. You might. But knowledge doesn't matter, right? You know what matters? Application. 
I'm just saying. Don't get mad at me. If we're going to be a transformed, transformational church, we must be willing to devote ourselves to faithful Bible teaching. We must make it a priority in the pulpit ministry and in small group Bible study. We've got to do those things. We must implement Christ's simple and comprehensive strategy for evangelism and disciple making. We've got to do those two things. What did he say do? Go ye therefore and make. We must come alongside every family in the area of teaching and developing a plan for home Bible study, which was once called dinner table doctrine or theology. In other words, you've got to be engaged in teaching your family at home, at the dinner table, spending time teaching them the scriptures, giving them a biblical worldview. So when they leave your house and go outside those doors into a toxic world, they can say, oh, no, no, no. I know that's what you believe, but let me tell you what we believe as a family. They need to know what they believe and why they believe it so that some professor, some teacher can argue them out of their belief. And if you don't teach them, the world will. If they get the word first, they will reject the world. If they get the world first, they will reject the word. Remember that. Yes, it does. That's right. You can't leave the discipleship of your children up to the church staff. That's got to be your job. Is it hard? Yes. Are they going to act like they're not interested? Yes. But you do the best job you can do. You pour it in them and let them go. Right? That's your job. Ain't my job. Ain't Pastor Ronnie's job. Ain't Pastor Christopher's job. Ain't your, your, your kid's Sunday school teacher's job. That is whose job? Tell me, tell me. My job. This church will come alongside you and help you to do that. Here's the way to start right here. If you don't have one and you're not currently discipling your family, get one of these and get with Pastor Christopher, Pastor Ronnie, and get after it. Yeah, you're going to be not good at it when you first start. Believe me, I've been there, done that. But it's like riding a bike. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. You'll be popping wheelies and jumping ramps before long. But you got to start somewhere. And it's okay. It's okay not to know, but it's, it's not okay to stay where you are. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we recognize that there are some things that we have left undone. God, as we come to understand what is the ministry, the mission, and the makeup of the church, would you help us to be faithful to implement those things that we have learned through your book? Lord, as men, we confess our sin of not always doing what you've called us to do, but would you help us to be faithful to teach our families, to disciple our children and our wives, and then to disciple other men who are in this journey with us? Would you give us the grace, the courage, and the wisdom to do so. Lord, we lay ourselves at your mercy and we plead, we ask you for the spirit of God to encourage us, embolden us and give us all that we need
to do the things that we've heard today, to be obedient to your word and to follow in your ways. We thank you for this in Jesus name. Amen. Man, I have, uh, I have known Russell now for about as long as I've known Ronnie, and uh, man, I'm, I am blessed in my life to have Russell in my life, to have uh, heard him teach for this long. Man, I hope you guys are blessed, and I hope you know how special it is to have Russell here with us and preaching with us from time to time. His wife, Queena, if you see her when she's here, man, please love on her. Uh, it is still our hope and our prayer that God is going to move this postal worker down to the Burleson area and work out of the Fort Worth office, right? Amen. We're still praying for that. And so that way you know when it happens, it is an answered prayer and a miracle of the Lord. Amen. Hey, guys, uh, truly, it is a blessing to have you here. I hope you have been blessed. I hope that when God's word is spoken to you, that you respond. It requires you to do something. If you're sitting here in this room and you don't do something more right now, today, this week, to disciple your children, your grandchildren, or your great-grandchildren, then shame on you. God's word demands a response. Hey, uh, this has been really great. This is kind of the, the this is first base, the very, very beginning of men's discipleship at our church. I just want to make sure you are aware, because I'm surprised that men at our church aren't aware of this, that there are other opportunities for you, all right? Uh, there, there, just, to, just to name a couple, on Tuesday mornings at 6.30, there's a group of us that meet at our place restaurant. And we are doing both step one discipleship. If you've never been discipled, you've got step one to do. And then we have another group meeting at that same restaurant, same time, doing the next level of discipleship. We would love to have you participate in that. It's never too late to start. Also, Wednesday nights, if that's a little intimidating and you don't, you're not ready for that, Wednesday nights at 6.30, we have men's ministry. We meet in the lecture hall down at the other end of the building. And right now, we are walking through... Saul and David and Absalom, and we're doing character studies on some uh, other people as we move uh, on in Scripture. Would love to have you be there. Now, my watch says 7.58. You know I'm a freak about time. So may the Lord bless you today with the gift of time. You've got one extra minute now. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. <laughs>